Well, hello. And how are you doing today? Welcome to the show. This is Songs and Stories, Supplemental Jazz Edition, Part 79. If you're new here, well, welcome. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I apologize that I've been away for a little bit. As as you know, I've been extremely busy, because I've told you this on a multitude of occasions. So, today, I'm going to try and give you the best I can. I'm going to endeavor to do my best and provide you with some songs and stories that will last throughout your day, even though the show is only 60 minutes, thereabouts. So, I'm going to begin today's show in this snowstorm infested environs of which I'm currently uh, residing here in the nation's capital of Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, as we experience uh, a rather large snowstorm coming in from Texas. So thank you, Texas, for that, because I'm a skier, and I hope to get skiing in the next day or so. Time will tell. I did want to go the other day, but I was simply too tired, and when you're tired, it's not a good idea to go skiing, because that's when injuries happen. A little tired, mistake is made, find yourself hurt. And nobody wants to be hurt. At least, I certainly don't wish to be. So let's start things off today with a jazz classic. Recorded in a single day, the entire album, in this particular cut. On December 9th, 1964, at the Van Gilder Studios in Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey. Leading a quartet featuring pianist McCoy Tyner, bassist Jimmy Garrison, and drummer Elvin Jones. Released on the Impulse Records label in January of 1965. This is one of the best-selling albums by this late great artist, and is widely considered to be his absolute masterpiece. This is the second cut from the album. This is John Coltrane with a love love supreme part 2 resolution Thank you. 
from the absolute masterpiece from the late great John Goldtrain, the album titled Love Supreme, recorded in a single day, as I said earlier, in 1964, December 9th, 1964, and released of January, released of January, released in January of 1965, one of the most heralded, respected, and revered jazz recordings of all time. Now, this recording, as I said, is revered, admired, and respected, with the exception of one critic. One. One standout critic gave it three out of five stars. Every other critic that ever reviewed this gave it five out of five, A+, plus, ten out of ten, four out of four, three out of three. Whatever the rating system was, it maxed out. The record by 1970 had sold some two, or sorry, 500,000 copies, far exceeding his usual uh, sales of about 30,000 per album. Now, oddly enough, the record never ever charted on the Billboard Top 200. It has been regarded as his absolute masterpiece, and without question is his most beloved album. Robert Chris Gowdy, famous um, village voice music critic who also wrote for Playboy magazine, added that it cemented Train's divine status in Japan. Now, this album has influenced literally a who's who of music, and I don't mean just jazz music. The Birds, Carlos Santana, Joshua Redman, and you too were influenced by this record. You two, the band from Ireland, not you personally, although maybe you were, I don't know. But I wasn't referring to you at that time, okay? A Love Supreme from the Penguin Guide to Jazz was given a rare crown rating. But when, they, when the critics were asked whether it was the greatest jazz album of the modern period or the most overrated, Miles Davis, Coltrane's former band leader, said the record reached out and influenced those people who, weren't, who were into peace, hippies, and people like that. If a listener is in the mood, it's majestic and compelling. If you're not, it's interminable and pretentious. Now, that is not uh, Miles Davis who quoted that. That was uh, jazz critic Martin Gayford. Gayford? Gayford? I'm not sure if I've pronounced his name. It's spelled G-A-Y-F-O-R-D. And I can uh, completely agree with that. If you are not in the mood, it can be seen as interminable and pretentious. However, this morning, because I am recording this in the morning, I'm very much in the mood. Recorded, like I said, on a single day in one uh, solid, uh, solid take, December 9th, 1964, released in January of 1965. But now, for our next artist, we're going to jump back in time to January of 1963 when the album was recorded. And it was released in July of 1963. The album is widely regarded, regarded as one of the greatest jazz records of all time and is considered to be one of two masterworks by this artist. Now, I have featured this individual in the past, and I have featured cuts off his other masterwork. This is considered to be avant-garde jazz, third-stream jazz, an experimental big band, 
also released on the Impulse label, recorded in New York City, January 20th, 1963, produced by Bob Thiel, a name some of you may or may not be familiar with. We can get into that a little bit later. But for the time being, let's sit back, relax, and listen to Track B, Duet, Solo Dancers, from Charles Mingus' album, The Black Saint and the Sinner Lady. Oh, yeah. Thank you. 
my goodness gracious me. Now how is that for some absolutely brilliant orchestration and playing? From an album recorded in a single day, January 20th, 1963, in New York City, on the Impulse label. Described as avant-garde jazz, third-stream, experimental big band. Except the artist himself said, no, not quite what it is. He instead described it as ethnic folk dance music. The late great Charles Mingus. Now, the composition you just heard is titled Track B, Duet, Solo Dancers. It does, however, have a subtitle, and it is as follows. Hearts Beat and Shades in Physical Embraces. Kind of hippy-dippy-trippy, but I can dig it. Can you? Okay, that was a lame pop culture reference that I kind of half-assed there. Apologies. Can you dig it? I knew that you could. If you know that one, feel free to drop me a line. Now, as I stated earlier, before we listened to the track, that it was produced by Bob Thiel. And you might say, okay, Paul, I'm, I think I've heard the name, but I'm not quite sure. His son is also an American musician and, and music producer as well. Now, Bob Thiel, Robert Bob Thiel, he passed away in 1996 record producer who worked on numerous classic jazz albums and record labels. Worked with, of course, Charles Mingus, Duke Ellington, Sonny Rollins, Archie Shep, Albert Eiler, John Coltrane, and another artist that you probably are pretty familiar with. Mr. Thiel's claim to fame is a hit song he wrote that was a hit more than once. It was co-written by George David Weiss and recorded, wow, tripped tripped over my tongue on that one, recorded by the late, great Louis Armstrong. It was a hit song twice, as I said, and featured in the soundtrack to Good Morning Vietnam. That's right, What a Wonderful World, written by Bob Thiel, record producer, label head, record founder, Flying Dutchman Records. Now his son, Bob Thiel Jr., composer, musician, and music producer, he's uh, pretty prolific in and of himself. Television, he uh, produced music and wrote for Boston Public, The O.C., Three Wishes, The Office, Manhattan, Sin City Saints, Lucky Seven, Sons of Anarchy. You get the gist of it. The man is well accomplished. So a little progeny there from the late great Bob Thiel. Now, of course, we're here to talk about Charles Mingus, the brilliant musician who was taken from us far too young at at the age of 56. After a 30-year career of brilliant, brilliant music, writing, composing, he played both piano and jazz. He was a rather passionate individual. He was known as the angry man of jazz throughout his career. While he performed once, he stopped his band and and loudly chastised the audience, stating, "Isaac Isaac Stern doesn't have to put up with this shit. 
He was playing at the Five Spot, a jazz club in New York City at the time. He destroyed a $20,000 stand-up bass or double bass in response to the heckling from the audience. Very passionate individual. Now, he was awarded a Guggenheim Fellowship, inducted into the Downbeat Hall, uh, Jazz Hall of Fame in 1971, issued a stamp in his honor by the USPS, posthumously awarded the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 1997. His album, Mingus Dynasty, was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. And in 2005, he was inducted into the Jazz at Lincoln Center, Neshua Erdogan Jazz Hall of Fame. Now, I hope I pronounced Mr. Erdogan's name correctly. If I screwed it up, let me know. Please. You know, I like to get things as right as I possibly can. Sometimes I do get them wrong, because after all, I'm still only just human. The late, great Charles Mingus. Now, I did tell you that he... Uh, was a passionate individual, and he smashed a double bass, a $20,000 double bass, for being heckled. It's often been suspected that his passion was due to his depression. He suffered long bouts of clinical depression, which oftentimes, back in those days, went completely untreated, both through medication or therapy. It was just, whatever, feel better. That's where a lot of that passion rises from. I know I can identify with it because I've experienced those same passionate things. Prior to my beginning a round of antidepressive and anti-anxiety medication, I was strung to bits of rage similar to that. So I understand and can empathize. He passed away of a heart attack in 1979, at the age of 56, far too young. But his legacy... Man, oh man. Most of his works have not even been recorded. He did have a couple of tribute albums, though. Baritone saxophonist Pepper uh, Pepper Adams recorded uh, the album Pepper Adams Plays the Composition of Charles Mingus in 1963. And pop and folk music artists, that great Canadian lady from Saskatchewan, Joni Mitchell, released the album Mingus in 1979. Of all his works, his elegy for Lusty Young, Goodbye Pork Pie Hat, from his other masterwork, Mingus Am, has probably had the most interpretations thereof and recorded more than any other song he's ever written. Now, it's also been covered by... That particular song, Goodbye Pork Pie Hat, has also been covered by Andy Summers. And the recently passed away great guitarist, Jeff Beck. Joni Mitchell sang a version with the lyrics she wrote for it. So yes, the late great Charles Mingus was an absolutely influential artist. Thankfully, We have the music. His legacy will live forever. Okay. Going to change things up ever so slightly. This is from Nat Barch, B-A-R-T-S-C-H. I hope I pronounced his name correctly. This is from the album For the Koalas. This is For the Koalas. 
what do you think about that? Nat Barch from Melbourne, Australia. Now that composition, I said was from an album, it's not an album, it was just a single for the koalas, which I'm sure you picked up, maybe, maybe you picked up that she's Australian because of the song title. Nat is a twice ARIA-nominated pianist and composer, ARIA standing for Australian Recording Industry Association. She composes uh, lyrical and ethereal work that explores the space between neoclassical chamber music and jazz genres. Sorry, there's a jet flying overhead. I hope it didn't pick up too much. Her um, influence, well, Melbourne piano luminaries Luke Howard and Andrea Keller, along with Sufjan Stevens, Elbow, and Radiohead. Now, she's become known, most well-known at least, in, in Australia for her lullabies, which, and I'm reading this right off her website, okay, so bear with me for a second. During early motherhood, she, they saw her, her translate her gentle aesthetic into music with purpose. She created a suite of pieces designed to soothe babies to sleep, but also be meaningfully enjoyable for adults. After interviewing music therapists, she composed a series of pieces incorporating as many of their recommended parameters as possible. Tempos similar to a mother's heartbeat, gentle sounds, simple melodies and harmonies, ostinatos and repetition. Well, absolutely fascinating. Now, Nat's been on the scene since about 2010. Uh, she's, uh, you know, a, a younger woman, but... 13 years on, their career is really... I wouldn't say beginning to take off so much as just exploring new avenues and genres. She was part of the Nat Barsh Trio, uh, named after her, of course, which con uh, contained... <laughs> com which was composed... Um, of musicians Tom Lee and Daniel Farugia. Farugia? I hope I pronounced that correctly. The trio toured, uh, that was, and, and they were together, I said 2010, she's been together since uh, 2008, my apologies. 2008 to 2013, they were a contemporary treat. Boy, I'm really struggling this morning. You know what it is? I've only had one cup of coffee. I need a second cup. Just a second. Oh yes, a sip of black gold goodness gets my uh, blood pumping and the mind working. A good caffeinated beverage usually helps to smooth out my morning. Now the trio um, toured from 2008 to 2013. They initially formed in 2006 when they were studying at the Victorian College of the Arts in Melbourne. Uh, originally with uh, bassist John Holt and drummer Lee Fisher, the debut EP uh, was released in uh, 2008. 2013, the trio reformed with drummer, drummer Daniel Frugia and Tom Lee. So they've been around for a little bit. They come and go, take their time, record and release as according to, you know, whatever schedule they feel. Okay, I'm stumbling and bumbling and definitely about to get up and make another pot of coffee because the one cup I had wasn't nearly enough and it was the bottom of the pot. 
It was in a thermal carafe from yesterday morning, okay? So it wasn't a fresh pot. I'm going to brew myself a fresh pot, and in doing so, I want you lovely folks to sit back and listen to Windrose Goddess by Connie Hahn from her album, Secrets of Inanna. Enjoy.
my goodness, the absolutely brilliant, spectacular plane of Connie Hahn. Now, I might have to take a road trip to Sarasota Springs, New York. May 6th, it's a Saturday evening. Connie Hahn is playing at the Universal Preservation Hall, which is part of the Proctor's Collaborative. I'm just looking at tickets right now, and I'm thinking, yeah, that'd be a nice weekend road trip. Drive down on Saturday morning. It's only about four hours from here. So it'd be like going to Toronto for the weekend. Saratoga Springs is no Toronto, but I'd be willing to drive that far to see Connie Hahn play live. Anybody interested in joining me? We have a little bit of time. It is May 6th, and today I'm recording... Uh, what is today's date? This is March 4th. So a little over two months away. Hmm. I might just have to do that, because Connie Hahn is, is just such a spectacular player. She just recently celebrated her 27th birthday in February of this year. Her playing influence is largely, well, McCoy Tyner, Chick Corea, Herbie Hancock, and Kenny Kirkland. And she possesses their playing capabilities and abilities, but she does it in her own way. So it's not reproduction and it's not imitation. It is influence. Of course, Secrets of Anana is her uh, most recently released album in September of 2022. When Rose Goddess being a cut off that record. I absolutely am seriously considering putting a couple of bucks aside. As I said, things have been a little snug for your friend Paul here. But, you know, a little bit of budgeting a couple of months from now, I think I can make that work. I'd love to see her play live. I've seen her video recordings on YouTube of her playing live. So I'd like to see her in person. You know, a short drive away? I think it would be worthwhile. The great Connie Hahn, who is a Steinway featured artist and has been since 2019. Her first album, released, um, self-released in 2015, the Richard Rogers Songbook. She was 19 at the time. What you might want to be taking note of, and I think this is important. She became interested in jazz in high school, where she was taught by drummer Bill Wysocki. Oh boy, did I pronounce his name wrong. Wysocki. Strangely enough, she opted not to study music in college. She became a professional musician at the age of 17 with uh, Bill's trio's musical director. He is her musical director and producer. Okay. I'm stumbling over my tongue. Sometimes that happens. As I said, I haven't had nearly enough coffee. I do have another cup right in front of me. So before I get to it, I'm going to tell you all about our next artist, Mr. Emmett Cohen, from the album Uptown in Orbit. This is Uptown in Orbit.
that's some smoking hot jazz. The brilliant, talented Emmett Cohen, who began studying jazz piano at the age of three. Three. He'll be 33 in May of this year. So 30 years he's been playing. I think we're only scratching the surface, surface, surface with this young man. He learned to play the Hammond B3 organ at Cecil's Jazz Club in West Orange, New Jersey, run by Cecil Brooks III, where he regularly played the B3 during sessions led by saxophonist Bruce Williams. Now, he was born in Miami, but uh, he grew up in Montclair, New Jersey, and he attended Montclair High School. So... This young man, who is a composer, musician, and educator, specializes in jazz, straight-ahead jazz, bebop, and stride piano. The future for this young man is so bright it's ridiculous. I think both uh, Emmett and Connie will carry uh, U.S. or American jazz well into the 21st century. You can hear the classic influences, the jazz, the hard bop, the bebop influences in their playing style, and yet they have their own 21st century touch. These are two folks you need to keep your eyes on. That, of course, was from the album Uptown in Orbit, which was released in October of 2022. Eleven tracks in total, and that being the one that just kind of really... I don't know, it solidifies it for me. It's, uh, you know, the, the, the single, or the, the track, eponymously named album, gives you that feeling. An orbital feeling? I don't know what feeling. It just really grooves. And it's plain as, well, it's out there, man. And I can dig it. Okay. I've struggled horribly today. Sometimes that happens. You know I do these shows in a in a one-off stream of consciousness consciousness. See, I leave the I leave the mistakes in. The only thing I edit out are coughs, knocks at the door, or the occasional fire engine that drives by, because I do live in downtown Ottawa, in the center town area of the city. So sirens are a common occurrence here. So for the most part, this is just straight-up stream of consciousness. I refer to my notes, I play the songs, I give you the stories, and I hope you like the show. I'll be back real soon with part 80. In the meantime, I hope you've enjoyed Songs and Stories, Supplemental Jazz Edition, part 79. Wherever you are in this world, I hope you are feeling good, you're feeling happy, you're enjoying the jazz. And I'll talk to you real soon. Take care. Bye.